this morning as we continue our I Promise series, um, I want you to understand something. That this, um, this series has been a way to um, give you an application or a vision of, um, of how important promises are. Also, for you to get a clear understanding that God keeps His promises. And as we talk about better promises this morning, the promise of a new covenant, I want to remind you that we've talked about our promise to Adam and Noah, Abraham, to the Palestinian um, covenant, to Moses, to David, and now a new covenant. Why go through all this? Why go through all these different descriptions of how God keeps His promises? Because it's important to remind us all this morning that God is eternal, that His promises are true, that there are not a lot of things that we can, we can kind of um, rely upon in our world at times, and God and the promise through His Son Jesus is eternal. And it's something that is worth singing about this morning. It's worth getting up for this morning. It's worth setting aside all the other things we have to accomplish and being here this morning to praise God through whatever storms we're going through. Our souls can get weary and we can get tired. And I promise there are better promises than even what I can describe to you this morning. I'm going to do my best to give you um, a good view, the best view that I can of the new covenant. And what I'll tell you is it is going to pale in comparison to what Scripture actually paints, to what God actually intends, through what Jesus actually lived. So when you look at the scriptures that are on the board, when you hear my descriptions, maybe take a few notes and think of that as a perspective. But go deeper yourselves into into a deeper understanding. Go personally yourselves into those scriptures so God can impart through the Holy Spirit a vision of salvation to you. Because it looks a lot different than me. It's really personal to me. It's personal to any of you who have made that decision. And sometimes personal preferences don't make sense to other people. But the new covenant today reminds me that we serve a God who wants to have a personal relationship with us. So before we get started, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, as we, um, as we sit here this morning, as we listen online, as we're a part of uh, a fellowship of believers, God, I pray that... Um, just the nature of what we're doing this morning reminds us of um, your perfect promise. That you've given us something better to do with our lives than to just offer sacrifices and hope that one day it'll be taken care of. But you've already taken care of that through your son Jesus. You've given us a reason to be here other than just following a bunch of laws. You've given us a chance this morning to not only follow um, instructions, but build character. And allow that character to shine a light to the world around us. Allow us to become unified through the message that we hear this morning of the gospel. And allow us this morning to understand that it's a message that we all need to share. Not just the minister or the song leader or the people in charge of the the speaking this, this morning. God, let us be a body who is not ashamed of what you've done for us. And let us gain hope in the promises to come. In your son's name we pray this morning. Amen. As we continue our scripture reading then, verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priests entered the inner room, and only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself, 
for the sins the people had committed in ignorance, the Holy Spirit was showing by this the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. That illustration of the tabernacle and that illustration of covenants before remind us that this new covenant is perfect. And it's not a copy, if you look down in verse 23, it's not a copy of spiritual things, but it is spiritual perfection placed before you. That new covenant is the life of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible has 50 chapters dedicated to the, um, to the tabernacle. 50 chapters dedicated to the, um, the size and the, um, the rules and the laws and the nature of worshiping God in an old way. 50 chapters is really the, the largest um, amount of Scripture focused on any one thing in Scripture. Creation only had two chapters. Fifty chapters focus on rules and laws of a copy. But if you read the entire book, and when it all starts to make sense with the new covenant and the life of Christ inserted into those stories, boy, aren't we glad that the, the, the book didn't end in the Old Testament. Landon reminded us this morning, if, if Christ didn't come and die and wasn't sacrificed on the cross, then who would be saved? No one. Because all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Every one of us. And so when we, when we need reasons to come closer together, when we need reasons to feel like we're unified, be unified in this, who we are all sinners. Now that's not, my, that's, not my, um, that's not my cry as I go marching on to tell people about Jesus. Right? I'm not proud of that. I'm proud that my sins are taken care of because of Jesus Christ. But it does unify us. We're unified that we all need Jesus. We're unified here because we believe in Jesus. Are we unified in how we respond to Jesus? If we look in um, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, this is the new covenant laid out. And through the prophet, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. A new deal. New promises. Better promises. They've seen it all. And really, beyond Egypt, beyond Moses, it's all still displayed before them in the tabernacle. It's all still a constant reminder. The courtyard of 150 by 175 feet with a fence of 7 feet tall. A holy place of 45 feet by 15 feet and a holy of holies 15 foot by 15 foot cube. A veil in the Holy of Holies, 60 foot tall by 30 foot wide. An inch deep by the palm of your hand, taking 300 priests to manipulate or move that thing. A bronze altar of sacrifice for priests um, where they could burn incense, the altar of incense, morning and evening. A basin for the priests to wash their hands and feet to even enter into the Holy of Holies. A menorah to light the temple. A table for the bread. 
so many things. The Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies. The manna within. The things that we read about there in our scripture reading this morning. There are plenty of reasons why God was represented in the temple. Have you ever read those? Do you read through those? Do you think about those right now and you think, man, that's pretty important stuff. It's pretty important stuff. Everything had a purpose. Everything had a reason. God had a plan for all those things. And they're not as important as I am to God. All those things. Cast in bronze. Covered in gold. Opulence. All those things. Not as important as God's relationship to you personally. Exodus 33 reminds us that God spoke to Moses face to face as a friend. God had a relationship with him. God presented himself to him. And Moses spoke for God. The angels spoke for God. God spoke to Adam and Eve, right? And they were a spokesperson for God. The prophets speak for God in his New Testament. And they remind us, all of them, that what they have to say is from someone greater than them and how they say it is temporary and compared to how it's really going to play out with Jesus Christ. Everyone else is just a copy. It's just a temporary solution of what God intends to give you. And God has given us that. We no longer wait for a solution to fix everything. We no longer wait for a solution to make us better. We no longer wait for a solution to give to our community. We have that solution. Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews 2 and verses 1 through 4 says, We must pay attention. Or the Hebrew writer exhorts them to pay attention to what they have heard, so that we may not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding every violation, every disobedience received, it's just punishment. Will, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. And this morning, if you ignore salvation, there's no one to blame but ourselves. And not just personally if I don't respond to the call of the gospel. But if I'm not actively distributing the light of Jesus Christ to other people. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking notes up front. How are we actively distributing salvation? I can't give it. But I can tell people where it comes from. I can show people the way. I could speak of the good news. I could be active and involved in people's lives. Helping them with things that they can't do for themselves. If you haven't looked around this morning, that's actively going on as a church. We have people who intend to be here this morning who need to be involved in greater things. And they're taking care of the needs of people here this morning. It almost brings tears to my eyes to see the gospel in action. And it's an action with us listening. It's an action with us participating in worship. But it's, it's even 
greater when we take it to places that don't expect it's coming. It's even greater when it's on our lips in places that don't make sense. It even makes more sense when we take it and we give it out through acts of service and through ways in which we love people than it does when we just merely worship. Worship is important. And it's a way in which we are actively serving God. But the way we live our lives is really the best definition of what the good news is. We can't escape it this morning. Hebrews has um, 13 different chapters, and the first 10 are doctoral or instructional. They're giving you reasons, um, giving you rules, explaining what used to be and now what is. Explanations of, of why there once was this and how, how it was laid out to now the way in which this new law is going to be carried out. And the 11 through 13 are ways in which we're exhorted. They're practical um, um, ways in which we can look at Scripture and do something with it. In Hebrews 1, right from the beginning, we're reminded Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant between God and all believers. And why is Jesus important to be that mediator? Why is Jesus important to be the go-between between God and us at this point? Why? We've had angels. They've had Moses. You ask people at the time why they need to be reminded that Jesus is greater than angels or that Jesus is greater than Moses. Because they thought, why do I need Jesus if the angels are already doing this work? Some believe that the angels were the highest level of God showing His, His, um, His work or His action in the world. Some believe that Moses, some still believe that Moses is greater than Jesus. Some still believe the most popular Jewish figure of all time was Moses. We understand that Moses is just a part of a household. But Jesus was the architect. Moses was just a person and just someone sitting in the house that Jesus built. Why is it important to distinguish Jesus above the angels, Jesus above Moses? Because through Jesus Christ, we can have access and confidence to what God intends for our lives. If you worship Moses, that's Moses, and even one who directly was interacting with God. It's still like any of us standing up here today and telling you, I have a better message than Jesus lived himself. I want to be clear with you this morning. I want you to understand everything we need to know about God, we can learn through Jesus. Everything that we need to know about the power of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, how to fear God, we can learn that through Jesus. And we need all these different men, all these different circumstances to lead us to this point. But the new covenant reminds us, Jesus is who gives us the access to God. And we can gain confidence through that. In Hebrews 4, um, 8 through 10, we see that, um, that after uh, Moses, Joshua is sort of responsible here. He's responsible for, for carrying them into the promised land. He's responsible for making sure... Um, he does justice to what's been set up. Think how overwhelming that would be to follow the guy that Jesus spoke to face to face as a friend. Think how overwhelming it would be to take on that responsibility. We not only have confidence, we have rest in knowing that God is eternal. 
we have rest this morning knowing that his promises will be kept. And we should have encouragement this morning to see that his better promises were fulfilled. That Jesus came, lived, died, was resurrected. And that the Bible in its entirety is true. They've lived under the example of the high priests, of the temple, of all the important acts of worship and ways in which to do so. We have a different reality. Look there at the the end. It says, um, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. How many of us this morning are in a time of need? How many times are we in need and we think our need isn't that important because it pales in comparison to someone else's need? God still cares about our needs. There's not a hierarchy of needs with God. You have a need, God cares for that need. It's important for us to have confidence in that and it's important for us to understand we approach God, not someone approaches God for us. Right? There's not a high priest that we have to go to, who has to wash his own sins clean so he can then pray for our sins. We have direct access to God. The old covenant tries to control our conduct, but the new covenant changes our character. The old law was full of reasons and ways in which we would fall in line with our conduct. But the new covenant, it cares about right and wrong. But it cares more about the reason why it's right or wrong. Jesus' ministry in Matthew tells us it once was like this, but now it's like this. The old law was good, but not good enough. The old law was good, but not good enough because the old law only cared about conduct, but the new law, character is prioritized. We know whatever the law says, those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be silenced, or may be accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law became conscious of our sin. We need to be reminded of the law so that we understand that we're sinful. But the law doesn't save us. Being a good person isn't enough. Being a good person who responds to the gospel is necessary for salvation. Did you hear that? That's not popular. Just being a good person is not enough. Being a rule follower is not enough. Taking on the character of Christ is essential. Taking on a new identity and letting Him be Lord of your life is essential for salvation. We've seen the prophets and the angels and Moses talk about this. And what do we do with it? We have to respond. We have to be those messengers. The message of salvation isn't something that we take on to ourselves and then we keep silent about. Because if we tell people about it, then they'll, they'll steal our gift. It's something we must share. Because there's nothing more important. Nothing more important. Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. And of all the blood of bulls and goats and all the things before... In the Old Covenant, Christ shows that He's the perfect sacrifice. 
It's not necessary anymore to be involved in those type of things. Acknowledge that and move, move forward. Our main point this morning, and one that's on our small group guide, is Christ is the full and perfect expression of God, better than anything or anyone. Landon this morning says in our, in our Hebrews class that he's the finished product. And to finish, to be a perfect example of that, required his death for us. He was with God in the beginning, as John chapter 1 and verse 1 tells us. He was the author, the architect. He was part of it. In the plan, the new covenant wasn't just a response to something that maybe wasn't working. It was a per- perfect culmination of the plan of God through the death of Jesus Christ. It was necessary because those copies of spiritual things would never be perfect, no matter how many sacrifices and how many prayers and how much incense was burned. No matter what, they were just copies. And if we are merely shiny objects sitting in a holy place this morning and not actually living out the life of Jesus, we're imposters of what He came and represented. If people look into this building, enter into the outer courtroom, and walk into this holy place. Do they, do they feel like they're reading Old Testament Scripture? When they see you standing and looking at a guy telling you what to do. That's not what this is about, church. I'm only trying to encourage you this morning to go be Jesus when we leave. While we're here. I'm just a messenger. And I don't even have direct access to God through His voice but I do through His Scripture. I do through the Holy Spirit. And as I read that Word, it imparts to me things that I didn't know about myself and then I need to understand about my growth and transformation. So if you've ever wished that you were in God's presence, understand the veil was that thick for a reason. Because the old presence of God was a dangerous thing. But God's new presence in our lives, this new covenant... It's not a burden upon us. It gives us rest and confidence. This morning, I want you to be reminded of a few things that you see, you would see in the temple. We spoke of these things. The dimensions of these things are clearly written out. And I think it's important for you this morning to understand that the the table of showbread there... And the, the bread that's on the table, those 12 loaves represent those 12 tribes. That's just a representation that Jesus is the bread of life. That's just a temporary copy of what's actually to come. The menorah that lit the, the holy place, that gave out that light, beautiful as it is, just a temporary copy of the light of the world that came. Just a temporary copy. Not perfect whatsoever. As beautiful it is. The veil. This beautiful fabric covering the Holy of Holies. It's just a reminder that Jesus is the way. He is the gate. He is the entry point to God. There's no longer anything separating us. But our decision to follow Jesus ourselves.
we have that full access granted to us at the moment of his death on the cross. That piece of cloth, 60 by 30, the thickness of your palm, it takes 300 people to move around, was torn in half by the Spirit of God. The power of God. There are five certainties this morning that I want you to remember. Five certainties this morning that, um, that I hope we can take away. That Jesus is a better messenger than the angels. That he's a better moderator than Moses. He's a better mediator than the priests. His life is a better ministry. And his sacrifice is a better method. Of all the ways in which you've seen holy things, righteous things carried out throughout Scripture... Jesus completes all those things perfectly because he's a messenger, a moderator, a mediator. His ministry and his methods are perfect. The new covenant this morning, the new promise this morning, there are better things to come than you can ever imagine. And to be a part of that, we must recognize that Jesus is the light of the world. But it also, and Matthew reminded that we are also that light. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's not just Jesus' responsibility to be the light. It's our responsibility to reflect that light to others. It's not some fancy candle stand that's worth a lot of money. It's a man who was born in a manger, lived the life of a servant, and was killed like a thief. That's the method. That's the ministry. I ask you this morning, go to Jesus. Speak to God in prayer. Gain access to a new covenant through responding to the gospel by choosing to be someone different, turning away from your old life, confessing that in front of people, and being baptized just like Jesus was to walk a new life. And then I want you to be continually reminded that every time you drop to your knees in prayer or you clasp your hands together before a meal or you in your mind think as you're driving down the road to God that He cares for you like a friend and that you can speak to Him face to face like someone who personally is in relationship with Him. God isn't some mystery or isn't some alien being or isn't some source that we can never have access to. God is with us always. And we gain access through Him, not through a veil, not through some fancy tabernacle or church, but through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the perfect and full expression of God. And God knows I'm not that perfect and full expression. God knows we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of Him. God knows we all need Jesus. And even if we've responded to Jesus, we still need His presence and the presence of His people in our lives. We can't do this by ourselves. There is no way one man standing in front of a group of people are going to solve all your problems. And if Moses couldn't do it, 
And if the high priest of old couldn't do it, why would you look to someone like me to do it for you? Church, it is time. It is time that we lean on Jesus. That we lean on each other. And that we respond to the call of the gospel. Because salvation is priceless. And it's way too important to hide. If you have a need this morning, our shepherds, our elders will be in the back. If someone has a personal need, it's just a, a way to recommit, a way to, to discuss and be prayed over, that's fine. If you want to make a public display, of a public decision to display your faith in Jesus Christ like you've never done before, we have an opportunity to come to declare that Jesus is who He says He was, that God is real, and that I need Him in my life, and I need to live my life different than I have before. It's not saying, from this point on, I'll be perfect. It's this point on, I will lean on perfection instead of myself. If you want to make that decision, you can do that also. Kind of convenient, huh? Well, it's not about convenience this morning, church. It is, I don't want to miss an opportunity to tell you about the gospel. And not just you, but whoever's listening online. Because people need to hear it.